Well, turn in your Bibles to the book of Revelation. It's the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. Let me put it up here, if it works. There we go. There it is, the book of Revelation. Uh, This book is amazing because it sparks more comments than almost any other books in the Bible. There are many people who say, oh, we want to study it. We want to study because we want to see all the stuff and the the judges and all of the different things that happen in it. Then other people say, no, 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 we don't want to study it because nobody can really understand it. It's not really meant for us and those kind of things. And that's what people say. And so it's kind of a, a mixed thing. Some people never touch it. Never touch it at all, and others say we want to look at it a lot. And so when you think about the Bible, there are two books that sort of just start it all and end it all. This the Genesis and Revelation. Genesis is the beginning of everything. When you think about it, there's the garden and Adam and Eve and, and, the, and the fall, how he told them only eat from the tree of the knowledge, you know, and they ate and they, oh my gracious, it was terrible. And then from that point on, God makes this promise, the seed of woman across the head of the serpent, and he's got this plan, redemption plan. That's all in Genesis. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Noah, all of that's in there. And then we go to the book of Revelation, which is really the end of everything. It's the end as he brings all of time and everything together. And we'll see things like a tribulation and a kingdom and eternity and, and, and basically God's redemption plan and the end of sin and the completion of everything. And so this morning, we, we're going to begin, and we, we're going to go verse by verse as we go through it, as we do in all of our studies, but we're going to see this, this book, the book of Revelation, and we're going to see the end times, how God puts it together. I've given you, you've got this handout you got when you came in, this little card. Also, there's a card out there that you may not have got, but you can get it when you leave. It's, I'll show it to you. I'll put it up on the slide thing in just a little bit, and you can pick it up when you go out there. It will help you as you study this book uh, on your own. The, the book of Revelation is often overlooked and sometimes misunderstood, and what our goal is to study it and understand it and put it together. Well, as we start off, we say this, that uh, the book is misunderstood in a lot of ways, and let's talk about some ways. First of all, it's misunderstood because of the title. There are people that come up to me and they'll say, are we going to study Revelations? It's not Revelations. It's Revelation. It's not plural. It's singular. And so be careful. Don't say, we're studying Revelations. Say, we're studying the book of Revelation or the, the Revelation. Second, the title itself, sometimes people say it's the Revelation of John or the Revelation to John. But in reality, in Revelation 1.1, it is the Revelation of Jesus Christ. That's actually the title that we see at the very beginning. Uh, and then, and so, because God gave it to Listen, God gave it to Jesus. Jesus gave it to an angel. An angel gave it to John. And John gave it to the churches. That's what we're going to see as we, as we go through it. The third thing is also misunderstood as the type of literature. It's called apocalyptic literature. Have you ever heard of the apocalypse? When you hear the word apocalypse, everybody goes, oh, destruction, the end of the world. Apocalypse doesn't mean that. Apocalyptic means unveiling. This is a type of literature which unveils things, things that have been hidden, things that were mysteries that are unveiled. The book of Daniel is apocalyptic literature because God came to Daniel and told him all the things about the empires that would come and even the end time things. The book of Ezekiel is an apocalyptic letter, an apocalyptic book because it has a lot of things that are unveiling. Well, the book of Revelation is apocalyptic because this is information that God gave to John and that people really didn't, didn't understand it or didn't know at first. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, you can't understand Revelation. Yes, you can. It, it actually, there's a blessing for those who read it, hear it, and apply it. So it has to be able to be understood. And so I think as we go through the study, I mean, there's going to be a lot of hard things. There's going to be things where I'm raising questions. There's going to be things where we'll say, here's a couple of views on what this actually means. The book is not necessarily, some of it's in chronological order, but some of it's not. And it switches around, and so we'll see it as we go through it. Um, 
Another thing that's misunderstood is the end time events because there's so many different interpretations. Let me, let me give you an idea. Do you know there's some people who say that Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin, we're in the church age, whatever they call that, church age, and the next event is Jesus comes back and everything's over with. They say that's it. And the book of Revelation is not even true. It doesn't even fit because uh, they have no rapture, no tribulation, no antichrist, no second coming, no kingdom. They just say the next event, Jesus comes and everything's over. That's one view. There's other views that say, well, the church is going to go through a tribulation time period. And we'll say, well, are we or are we not? How does it fit? And so it's a lot of times misunderstood. I've had people come to me and say, I'm so afraid of the book of Revelation. I said, why? Because all the things that are in there. And I say, if you have believed in Christ for eternal life, that bad stuff, doesn't, it doesn't apply to the church. It's not us. We're gone. And we'll talk more about it in just a little bit. So there's all kind of different interpretations. And so when you start this book, I, I, I tell you, there'll be some hard things, and we'll look at it, and we'll go, what does that mean? How does that fit? But it's really, it's really good. And so we have the Father giving the revelation to the Son, Jesus, who gave it to an angel, who gave it to John, who gives it to the seven churches, which ultimately becomes the book of Revelation, and that's for us. And so we're going to go verse by verse. Now, we do what we call a literal interpretation, okay? That's called, we call it really a historical, literal, grammatical interpretation. That's how we do it. And what that means is when we study the Bible, when we study a passage, whether it's 1 Kings or the book of Galatians or the book of John or Revelation, we look at the Bible, uh, always look at a book in its historical context. How does it fit? We also look at the words. What do they mean? We look at it grammatically. What's the subject? What's the verb? How does, what's the words actually saying? Because if you're not careful, sometimes people will say, well, it says this, but it doesn't even say that at all. And you say, well, where are you getting that? That doesn't say that. So when we study the Bible, we always study from a historical, literal, grammatical interpretation. That's how we do everything. We'll do the book of Revelation in the same way, and we'll see how it fits together as we go. It, it, and there'll be hard passages, and, and there'll be places we'll say, there are two views on this, on what this really means. Or we'll say, we think this fits here. Because it's not always perfectly clear, and uh, it, it's a hard book. Now, so here's the question. Why should we study this book? I mean, somebody could say, well, wouldn't Philippians be more fun? Or maybe the book of Romans, or maybe Galatians, which I love Galatians, or, or maybe just the Gospel of John, because the Gospel of John is so fun to study. It's amazing. But why study the book of Revelation? Well, let's talk about it. First of all, it's the consummation. It's everything. It's from the beginning in Genesis to the end in Revelation, brings all things together. It's divine history. It's God telling us, here's how everything ends. Here's how it all comes together. Here's what's going to happen in the future. Because all of us sit around and people say, I wonder what it's going to be like in the future. I wonder what's going to be like here. And we say things like, well, if, if Jesus comes and gets us, what's it going to be like there? What's it going to be like on the earth? When there is a tribulation, if, you know, if, what's it going to be like? And, and will this Antichrist, is, is he really Antichrist? You know, in the, gospel, in the book of Revelation, he's not called Antichrist. He's called the beast that rises out of the sea. So anyway, we, we're going to talk about that. Well, it, we see the end, how God brings it all together. The second thing we see is God's character in the book. We see his love for us, his grace, but we also see judgment. We see how he deals with mankind, and, 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 and he feel, fulfills his promise. Here's his promise. It goes all the way back from to the beginning. When Adam and Eve sinned, he said, I will send the seed of woman who will crush the head of the serpent. There is a plan that a Savior would come into the world to save mankind. And there is a division of the whole thing. There are those 
based on his promise, whoever believes in Jesus Christ will never perish but have eternal life. Those who do not believe in Jesus Christ will be separated from him forever. Those who believe in him have eternal life as eternal life with Jesus Christ. Those who reject him have what the Bible calls the second death. They're cast into the lake of fire and we separated forever. Those are truths. And when you see God's character, you see whoever believes. Listen, who is, it doesn't say whoever's good and who's bad. He says whoever believes and whoever doesn't believe. The dividing line is you believe in Christ for eternal life and you're saved forever. You reject Jesus Christ, you're lost forever. That's what it boils down to. So that's God's character. We'll see that as we go through it. We see the promise, the promise of eternal life to all who believe. The third thing we'll see is the person of Christ. He is the key person in the book of Revelation. That's who he is. He's the eternal son of God. Have you realized the eternal son of God who's always existed, all of a sudden at a point in time in history, left the glories of heaven and became a human being so he could die for us, pay for our sins, rise again, and ascend back into heaven. The person of Jesus Christ is the most important person really in the world, of course, of all time, but he's the key person in Revelation. He's going to be, and this is what we'll see, he is the firstborn of the dead. He is the living one. He is the son of God. He is the one who is faithful and true. He is the word of God. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. And he is the morning star. Those are just some of the ways Jesus is described in the book of Revelation. And we'll see it as we go through it. There's so much there. The fourth thing that we're going to, why we should study it is we see man's sinfulness. That's what it is. From the fall in the garden, no matter, no matter the situation, we always see that man is a sinner and falls. Now think about this. So God puts mankind in this perfect environment in the garden. He says, you can eat from any tree. Don't eat from that tree. You can eat from everything else. They eat from that tree. They see, and you look a little further up, and at the time of Noah, God says that the mankind is evil over the whole world, so there's the judgment on the world. And then you go to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and you go all the way up, and everything you see, nation of Israel, God delivers them from Egypt, and what do they do? They fuss and they gripe, and they don't believe, and they get, tells them to go into the land, and they don't go into the land. I mean, it's just over and over again. And then you see the church age, and you see we have the Bible and the Holy Spirit, and, and, and what do we have? We have people all over who reject it all. And then we're going to come to the church tribulation time period, and God is going to be in judgment on the world, and it says people under the judgment refuse to believe in Jesus Christ. And then you get to the millennial kingdom, a thousand-year reign. Jesus Christ rules on the earth, and at the end of the kingdom, there's a rebellion, and thousands of people come to attack Jesus Christ because they didn't believe in him in the thousand years. Wow. So what do we see? We see man sinfulness. Now, God has a plan. It's called the story of the Bible. The perfect God brings sinful man back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. That's what we say. God brings man to himself using his son. He so loved the world, he gave Jesus to die for us, and whoever would believe in him would never be separated, but be with him forever. There's another reason we should study it, and that is a blessing to all who study the book of Revelation. Now, we're going to go more detail on this verse next week, but verse 3 says, Blessed is he who reads, because I've heard people, people used to come to me and say, I've heard that reading the book of Revelation, you get a blessing. Yes and no. There's more than reading. Blessed is he who, what? Who reads, and those who hear the word of the prophecy, and who heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. See, to read it is one thing. To hear it means to listen and understand. Because remember what Jesus would say, he who has ears, let him hear. You think, well, everybody's got ears. No, no. When he says, he that got ears, let him hear, that means they're listening. So, blessed is he who reads and who hears, they're really listening to the words of the prophecy, and then there's more, and 
heed the things which are written in it. You realize the book of Revelation is about works, not for salvation, but works. And you probably remember there's places in the book of Revelation where all these saints are standing around and they got on white robes. And we say, yeah, when you believe in Jesus, you get a white robe. No, no, these saints, the white robes are called the righteous works of these believers. That's the white robes. So we'll see all that. We'll see how all this ties together as we study it. And so there's a blessing for those who, who read it, who hear it, and who heed it. Now, the final thing is this. The time is near. That's what it says in verse 3. Blessed are who read it, and it says, for the time is near. Every day that passes, we realize that Jesus is coming soon. We call that the blessed hope and the glorious appearance. See, the next event, we'll talk about it in a second, the next event, Jesus is going to come in the clouds, and all of us in this room who have believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life will be taken off the face of the earth. The dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive remain to be caught up together with them. That's First Thessalonians chapter 4. That's what's going to happen. It can happen in any second. There is no prophecy. Nothing has to be fulfilled for Jesus to come back to get us. Let me show you the chart. This is the little chart that I've got for you. You can pick this up on your way out if you want to. We know this is Jesus dying and rising again. We're in the church age. Any second, any time, we've been in the church age for a while, any second, any time Jesus could come in the clouds, they call it the rapture. It's actually a Hebrew, the Greek word harpazo, which means to snatch away. He's going to come get us. We'll be taken off the face of the earth. And then the There'll be a time period on the earth called the seven-year tribulation. It'll last for seven years. There'll be a man of sin. We call him the Antichrist, but he's going to come to power. All of this stuff, God is going to bring judgment. Most of the book of Revelation deals with this time period right here. Then there'll be a kingdom, a thousand-year reign, then a great white throne judgment, then eternity. And so when we say the time is near, Jesus could come at any second. Let me just say this. If you have never believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life, If Jesus came right this second, all of us who are believers, we're gone. You would be left to go into that time period right there. And we're going to study it in the book of Revelation. You don't want to be in that time period. And see, I've had some Christians who will say things like, I'm so scared of that. I said, listen, you're not going to ever be in there. The rapture is going to come. We're going to be taken off the face of the earth. Because the truth is, the seven-year tribulation is for the Jewish people. It's for the nation of Israel. It's called Jacob's Trouble. And we'll talk about it a little bit later as we get through it. Um, He could come at any time. But let me tell you some things that have changed. If you go back to 1947, 46, 45, there was no nation of Israel. And for the tribulation to happen, the tribulation begins when a man of sin makes a peace pact with the nation of Israel. From A.D. 70 to 1948, there was no nation of Israel. Now there is. The book of Ezekiel tells us in the first part of the tribulation, Russia, Iran, and Turkey all come together to attack Israel. That's in the first part of the tribulation. Did you know it was up until a year ago that Russia, Turkey, and Iran were not allies? Less than a year ago, all three of them came together. I got a picture of the three Leaders from those three nations all holding hands saying, we are allies. All of this has happened in these last years. Do you realize that now we have the capabilities of a one-world type government and a one-world type uh, monetary system and a, one, a way to mark somebody with something that you can buy or sell only? I mean, all of these things weren't possible 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. They're all possible now. The time is near. Jesus 
Christ could come at any second. With that in mind, let's talk about a little background. The author, of course, is John. He's one of the 12 apostles of Jesus Christ. I want you to think about John for a minute. I mean, John, he wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and the book of Revelation. He was the youngest of the apostles. He had a brother, James and John. James got killed. John lived all the way into his 90s. And uh, he was the one, he wrote him, in the Gospel of John, he called himself the one that Jesus loved. His nickname, you probably might not realize it is, is Sons of Thunder. Uh, he had a terrific temper, he and his brother. They did. They're with Jesus. They're on the way to Jerusalem. Some, some uh, Samaritans said, you can't go through our city. And John, James, uh, John says, Lord, how about bringing down fire and burning them all up? Jesus said, I don't think so. But anyway, uh, that's what John, later in life, he was called the apostle of love because of his writings. And, and so he, he's, you know, we, he's an older man by the time this comes. By the time he writes this, probably around 90 or 95. Where is he? Revelation 1.9 says, I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation, the kingdom, the perseverance were in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because, why? Because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. They put him, the Roman government, because he was standing up for Jesus Christ, proclaiming Christ in the city of Ephesus. They put him out on an island. An island called Patmos. These are the seven, the seven churches. This is, modern, this is Turkey. This is an island off that. It was just like a kind of a desert island, a deserted place. And they put him out there. And they thought that they would stop him from doing anything. And while he's out there, he gets the book of Revelation. So he's out there because of the word of testimony. It's right, uh, probably around 90 to 95 AD. This is the last book of the, of the New Testament. And by the time you get to the year 100, the entire New Testament and Old Testament and everything had been put together. And it's exactly the same as what we have today. Listen, it was terrible at that time. An emperor by the name of Domitian was was in power. He was going after the Jews in 70 AD. Under Titus, the Roman general, they came into Jerusalem and destroyed the whole city, burned down the temple, destroyed the whole temple, began to persecute Jews. And in 70 to 72, they went to a place called Masada and attacked, and all the Jews basically killed themselves. And so Jews were scattered everywhere. Christians, who at one time were considered part of the Jews, now they're getting attacked, and so there's great persecution there because Christianity is now recognized as separate from Judaism, and they go after them, they persecute them. He writes, if you look in verse 11, to seven churches, seven churches in Asia, there they are, this is Turkey, these are the seven churches, that's Ephesus, that's the famous one, we know the book of Ephesians, but these others, there's not letters written about them, but these are churches, and they have this letter written to them. And let me tell you this, none of those churches are there today. Most of those cities aren't there today. And so what happened to the churches? What happened to all the believers? Did you know that they say, to, I've read just, just even within the last two years, that there are less than 100 known believers in the country of Turkey. That's what I've read. Well, the churches all were there. This is where Paul went on his first missionary journey and his second missionary journey. This is where Peter went. This is where the seven churches are. What happened to them? What could happen to the churches in the United States if, we, if Jesus doesn't come back in 50, 60, 100 years from now? What could happen to us? Might not even be any. Who knows? I think I've got another slide. Yeah, there's another slide to give you the seven churches to give that. Why did he write the letter? And I'm just going to go a little bit faster, but I'll try to talk a little faster if that's okay. But anyway, he wrote this letter. Why? 
with the book of Revelation was to encourage them because they were already going through persecution. But he's telling them, listen, listen, there's a time coming. You're going to be taken out and there's going to be a persecution on the world. So it was to encourage them. It was to also tell them about the end time events. It's so great for us because we have the end time events when you take the book of Daniel and Ezekiel and Zechariah and Matthew 24 and 25 and all those things and you put them together, you get the scope of the end time events. That's why we have this card because that's the scope of the end time events and you can, you can know it. You can put it together. It's really some great things. The theme of the book ultimately is the ultimate triumph of God in Jesus Christ. So you could put a summary written by John to the seven churches in Asia Minor, Asia Minor around 90 to 95 AD to give encouragement in the persecution and to show the end time events as God, as God triumphs in Jesus Christ. Wow. So it's an amazing book. It's incredible. You know what's going to happen? We're going to see stuff on the earth, and then we're going to be taken to heaven. We're going to see the throne of God. Do you know there's a rainbow there? And there's something that looks like glass, but it's not glass. And there's, there's 24 thrones around there. And then there's these animals, these, these beings, these, these uh, angels, and they got faces. Uh, one looks like a man. One looks like a, a, a bird. One, I mean, you're gonna, we're going to see all this stuff in heaven. John got to see it and wrote it down and told us about it. So it's amazing. Now, the book of Revelation, I'm going to go quickly through this, is a book of the numbers, and the key number is the, is the number seven. Now, the number 12 is in there, 40 is in there, there's a, but the number seven is the key. I want to show you something. Seven is found over 700 times in the Bible. Most say that's the number of perfection. 54 times in the book of Revelation. Let me show you something. I'll go fast. There, the, he said he created the he- heavens and earth and, and in seven days, six days he created and rested on the seventh day. So there's seven-day week. The rest day is Sabbath is the seventh day. There's seven special feasts for Israel. There's seven year of a Sabbath year. The Passover had seven days. The tabernacle had, the Feast of Tabernacles were seven days. There's seven signs in the Gospel of John. There's seven last words of Jesus on the cross. There's seven parables in Matthew 13. There's seven last things in the book of Revelation. There's seven years in the tribulation. There are seven churches, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls, seven candlesticks, seven heads, seven mountains, seven kings, seven crowns, seven eyes, seven horns. Do you think seven's the main word? I mean, that's the, the, the number that we're going to see, and that's the key. And so here's the outline. This is the card that I've given you. On one side, uh, is, it gives you the information about the author and the date and the key verses and those kind of things. On the other side is the outline, and the outline basically comes off uh, a verse, basically verse 19, which says, whatever you've seen, the things that you've seen, the things that are, and the things that will come to pass. So the book divides in the introduction. We'll get that next week. And then there's, that's, to, that's what he saw. He saw Jesus Christ. And then he saw the things that, that's, that's things that are past. Then he says, what, are, what is the present? That's the seven churches that he writes to. And then what will take place in the future? And we're going to see about going to heaven, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, bold. These are all judgments, judgment of Babylon, the seven last things. And then finally, the end of the book. And so that's what we're going to see. And it's amazing. The central person, uh, that's the, the chart. I just want to remind you again. Jesus died and rose again. We're the church age. Rapture's going to happen. We'll be gone. Then God will, with the man of sin, make a seven-year peace pact called the tribulation. He breaks, ha- it breaks it halfway through. Jesus comes as the King of kings, Lord of lords. He rules for a thousand years on this earth. Then there's what they call the great white throne judgment, and then eternity. And we'll talk more about that, and we'll see that. Let me quickly 
give you the different views of how to interpret the book. Okay, but central person is Jesus. Okay, there's a view called the preterist view. Okay, that, that doesn't mean anything to you, and it shouldn't. It's the Hebrew word for past tense. It's a Hebrew verb form for past tense. The people who believe this way, they believe everything in the book of Revelation happened in the first two centuries. All of the persecution by the Roman government is symbolic. It's all in the book of Revelation. And so they'll never, this is it. It's already passed. There won't ever be like a, a kingdom. There won't be a rapture. There won't be a tribulation time. It's, it all happened in the first and second century. That's called the preterist view. We don't hold to that view. There's another view called the allegorical view, which says none of this is real. It's just allegorical. It's like a, it's like a story. And all it is is it's just showing that God wins over the devil. And none of this is actually true. And I always, when I talk to people who hold to that view, they say, we don't believe any of that. I say, well, it says he will rule for a thousand years. He says it six times in seven verses. Do you believe it'll be a thousand? He goes, of course not. And so they, they hold it allegorically. We don't hold to that. Our view is this. It's called the futurist view, which means all the events in chapter four on are still future. Because chapters 2 and 3 are written to the churches that existed in the past. But everything else is future. And so we hold to that. We say that it has not happened yet. And the reason we do that, because of God's promises. He promised King David in 2 Samuel 7 that David's son would sit on the throne in Jerusalem. Has Jesus Christ ever sat on the throne in Jerusalem? No, but he will during the millennial kingdom and for all eternity. And so the reason that we'd say all this is future is because it hadn't happened yet and all these things are going to happen and there's going to be a man of sin. There's going to be the Antichrist. There's going to be the, the tribulation time period, all of those kind of things. The book was meant to be understood. Uh, when you read Revelation 1, verses 12 and 13 and verse 16, it talks about seven lampstands and seven stars and all that. People go, what does that mean? Well, all you have to do is read to verse 20 and it tells you exactly what it means. So sometimes people get all bent out of shape and they say, oh, you can't understand it. And all you have to say is, just keep reading and he'll tell you what it's all about. So the book is going to be, it's meant to be understood. It fits together. Let me give you the, 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 the verse. Verse 1, Revelation 1.1 is the revelation. It is the unveiling, the disclosure which God gave to Jesus. So look at verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ. This is Jesus' revelation, which God gave to him, that's the Father, to show his bondservants that which must soon take place. And he sent it, Jesus sent it, and communicated by his angel, that's an angel, to his bondservant, John. And then John, of course, passes it on to the seven churches. So that's really the, how, the, how the book fits together. And so it's the unveiling, which God gave to him. And when he says, which will shortly or must soon come to pass, some of your Bibles say it will quickly come to pass. What that means is not that it was going to happen right then. It means that when it happens, it will happen very quickly. That means when Jesus comes in the clouds, it's going to be a twinkle of an eye will be gone. Right after that's going to be a mess. Right after that's going to be the Antichrist come to power, make a peace pact with Israel. Right after that's going to be seven years 
years, then after that will be something else. Then it'll be So it's going to happen fast when it happens. That's the thing that we're going to see. So this is the revelation which God gave to Jesus, which Jesus gave to an angel, which the angel gave to John, and John gives to us. And that's bottom, bottom line. And it's going to happen quickly. So if you look at it this way, the revelation of Jesus Christ was given by God to Jesus, to the angel, to John, to believers, concerning events which will quickly, when time comes, come to pass. Let me say this. The central person in the book of Revelation is Jesus Christ. Now watch this. He's the death and resurrection, the first and the last. He's the one that writes to the seven churches. He is the one that redeems mankind. He is on the throne in heaven. He is worthy to open the scroll. He brings judgment on the earth. He comes to the marriage supper of the Lamb. He rules in righteousness and justice. He brings eternal life and eternal judgment. He makes a new heavens and a new earth. And, and he makes his promises, and he keeps his promises and makes them all come true. That's who he is. That's our Savior. That's Jesus Christ. That's the one we come worship every week. That is our Savior and, our, and the one. When, when you look at the book, John Walford, who was the president of Dallas Seminary for uh, when I was there, and he, he was amazing. He's passed away, of course. But he was probably the scholar in the 20, 20th century. He was the scholar on end-time events. Here's what he says. He says, the revelation of Jesus Christ. He is not only the lamb slain, but the King of kings and the Lord of lords who returns to the earth in power and glory to judge the wicked and reward the righteous. Well, when you look at the book of Revelation, most people, they look at it and they say, well, chapter 1 is an introduction. Chapters 2 and 3 is to the churches. Chapters 4 through 19 is the tribulation. Chapters the end of 19 through 20 is the kingdom. 20 and 21 is the eternal state. And then they say something like, it's just a book of judgment. No, no, it's not. There's a judgment in it. But God always has a message of salvation. I want you to see something. This is at the end of the book of Revelation. Revelation 22:17. here's what it says. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And watch this. Let the one who wishes take the water of life. How? Without cost. It's always free. It's always a gift. The water of life, the living water, the salvation, eternal life, it is always free. It is always a gift. It is always out cost, without cost. So when we talk to people and we say about having eternal life, we say it is a gift. You receive the gift of eternal life simply by faith in Jesus who promises you eternal life. Wow. This book is going to be amazing. So let me, let me give you some applications to think about. The first one, let's understand the book of Revelation. Let's do it. Let's understand the various views. You're going to talk to people, and they're going to say, everything that happened in the book of Revelation happened in the first century. And you say, nope, it's future. There are different views. There are going to be some people who will tell you that this is just a symbolic book. It's not even real. It's not even true. None of the things in here ever come to pass. It's just showing how God gets victory over the devil. No, it's all true. So our view is that it's historical, literal, grammatical, and it's the futurist view. Understand the views. Understand symbols and numbers and visions, and we're going to see them as we go through. And we'll see seven lampstands and seven stars and something seven of this and 14 of these and seven bold judgments and all. So understand those kind of things. And the third thing is let's understand the message. 
The message of Revelation is God is victorious in Jesus Christ. Let me just say something. You know Jesus Christ is Savior. Guess what? You win. We win. We're with Jesus Christ. We're going to come back with him when he comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's riding on a white horse, and guess what we're riding? White horses. And we're coming back with him, and he's coming to this earth, and he's going to judge, and he's going to set up a kingdom, and all of us who know him will rule with him and be with him in that kingdom. And, and then we'll be with him for all eternity. Jesus Christ is victorious. The second thing is let's understand how Revelation presents Jesus. He is the Lamb of God slain. He's the Redeemer of the world. That's why at the very beginning of the book, there's this, there's this thing, this scroll. It's got seven seals on it. And John sees it, and then he starts crying. He says, nobody can open the seal. Nobody. He's crying, and somebody says, quit crying. The Lamb is going to open the seal because he's the one slain for, slain for us, and he opens the seals. That's Jesus. He's also the Savior. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He comes in righteousness and justice, and he comes and judge to, as the judge and the ruler of the world. That's who he is. I always say it this way. When Jesus Christ came the first time, he was asking that they would understand who he was. When he comes the second time, he's not asking anybody anything. He's setting up his kingdom. So we ought to be saying, yes, fire up, yes. Let's serve the Savior now. What is John called? He's called the bondservant of Jesus Christ. And that's who we are. And let's serve him. Now let me say one other thing. I don't think, yeah, I have, we are bondservants. Let me, let me say this to you. If you're sitting out here and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've never understood who he is or what he's doing, right where you're sitting right now, you can believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for you and rose again, that he is the one in the book of Revelation. He's coming as the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the one that gives eternal life because he made a promise. The promise is if you believe in him, if you believe in him, he gives you eternal life. He's offering to you the gift of eternal life. So right where you're sitting right now, you can say, Lord, I believe Jesus Christ gives me eternal life. I'm believing that he is my savior and that he's given me this exact moment, eternal life. And the Bible says that the moment you believe in him, you have eternal life, that exact moment. You do not want to be left behind because one of these days Jesus is going to come and we're all going to be gone. All of us in this room, I hope, I hope there won't be a single good person come to church. By the way, if you do come to church and we're all gone, you better believe in Jesus because it's fixing to be really bad. Okay? It's going to be. But the whole purpose, we're going to see, why did God have a tribulation? It's for the Jewish people. It's for the nation of Israel. It's their final seven years. So I, I hope and pray that if you've not believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life, right now, today, you can't.